Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So here's the thing. There's this Christmas song that you, I was going to say really like, but you kind of like it at least. Like when it comes on the radio, you tap your toe, or you hum along, or you sing the words. And traditionally, I found this song very annoying. I will explain why as I go through some of the lyrics with you, okay? It starts off by saying, there will be kids jingle belling. No idea what that is. No one has any idea what that is. And everyone telling you to be of good cheer. Time out. Don't tell me what kind of cheer to be in. If I want to be in good cheer, I'll be in good cheer. If I want to be in bad cheer, I'll be in bad cheer. Just person is telling me what kind of cheer to be in. The song goes on and it says, it's the hap hap happiest season of all, blah, 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 when friends come to call. Cool. What if you have no friends? What then? It continues. There'll be parties for hosting. Back to the friend thing. No friends, no parties, but we'll continue. Marshmallows for toasting. Okay. Quick pull. Anybody here in their Christmas tradition Part of your Christmas celebration is to toast some lovely marshmallows. Hands up. Nobody. No, liar. Nobody. (laughs) And then it takes on this eerie tone, this particular Christmas song. It starts to talk about telling scary ghost stories around a fire. (laughs) Quick question. Anybody here, while you're roasting marshmallows around the fire to celebrate Christmas, just pull out some scary ghost stories? Anybody? That's what I thought. What's the name of that song again? What is it? Say again. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I guess overarchingly, that's what bugs me the most. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but what if it isn't? Like, what if it isn't? Like, it's December 2021, people. So the truth is, There are people out there right now who are feeling lost and lonely, overwhelmed, anxious, and discouraged. What about them? Like the question that I had last week was this. What happens when we say that it's the most wonderful time of the year when it's not? And I got to thinking, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of Christmas. That, that, that it must be, it has to be, if it's a Christmas worth celebrating, if it's an event worth remembering, it must be for the lost and the lonely, for the discouraged, the anxious, and the overwhelmed, it must be the most wonderful time of the year. Listen, listen, listen. Especially, especially when it isn't. And so what I want to do over my next two sermons is I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Christmas as the most wonderful time of the year, especially when it isn't. So the first one is obviously today, and then Southside Church in person. The second in this little mini-series is going to be our Christmas services. December 23rd, Leah already mentioned it, Thursday, December 23rd, 2, 4, and 6 p.m. Friday, December 24th, 10 a.m., 2, 4, and 6 p.m. There'll be marshmallows for toasting, for sure. No, no, there won't. There won't. There'll be cookies, hot chocolate, music, but all of that pales in comparison to this. I guarantee you, bring every friend that you can, bring every family member, every neighbor that you can, 
Because I guarantee you that every single person will walk out, whether they've been to church for 40 years or whether it's their first time ever there, they will walk out looking at Christmas differently than they ever have before. And so Southside Church Online, I want to talk to you for just a second. All the same rules apply. The, the, the Christmas services are going to be streaming at those exact same times for you, but I want you to do me one extra favor. Please take a moment right now and text the keyword online to 604-670-3040. Now, a lot of you did it two weeks ago when I asked, but I'm asking again if you have not done it. We want to team up with you. We want to make sure that this Christmas, that these Christmas services are an event for you and for those you invite also. So please do that for me. So, it is the most wonderful time of the year, and especially when it's not. And to illustrate that, I want to tell you a story. It's a story that I wrote about three years ago, about a Christmas long, long ago. It starts like this. Experts say that a person can live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but less than a second without hope. So in that sense, hope is life's most precious resource. You can't make it without hope. You can't make it without hope. And if that's true for a person, it's most certainly true for a family also. Now I bring that up because about 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Shimon. And he lived in a settlement just about one hour walk out of this little town called Bethlehem in Judea. Shimon was married to a woman named Mara. And Shimon was a shepherd, so that little settlement they lived in was for shepherds only. One hour walk outside of this little backwoods town called Bethlehem in Judea. Shimon and Mara had two kids. Seven-year-old Joanna was their oldest. Only Shimon never called her Joanna. He called her Angel because to him she was an angel. Big brown eyes, a ready smile, always willing to help, never complaining when times were tough and food was scarce, and even when she had to help out with her little brother, Jonathan. Four-year-old Jonathan. What a kid. They called him Tornado because he roamed around like a whirlwind. He had this rambunctious joy to him. Contagious laugh. And when he yelled, it was like ear splitting. But for this little family, living about a one-hour walk outside of the little town called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, hope was fading fast. See, a shepherd's life was difficult to start with. Shepherds at that time were ridiculed and despised by the population. They were mistrusted and mistreated, barely made enough to live on. And while Mara stretched every denarii, the truth is, there was always setbacks. And one of the most regularly scheduled setbacks was the tax collector who would show up every few weeks, backed up by Roman soldiers. And sometimes the tax collector would take a lot, and sometimes the tax collector would take everything, and sometimes the family ate, and sometimes Mara and Shimon went without so the kids could get a little. But through all the struggles and all the challenges and all the hardships, rock bottom was to come on a day that started with so much promise. Shimon woke up early, and he got the kids up, Joanna and Jonathan, and they walked one hour into Bethlehem. 
See, the family was desperate to make a little bit of money, so what Shimon had been doing is over the last several months, he had gathered as much wool as he could. And on this particular day, he brought some milk along too. And the goal was for him and his two kids to sell it at the market in Bethlehem. So when they arrived in Bethlehem, they found a little stall, not the best stall, but the only one that they could find that was vacant, and they set up shop. And what's crazy is that it started out so well. By midday, Shimon looked at Joanna and Jonathan and said, we can go home. We sold more wool and more milk than I thought we would. Let's go home and tell your mom. But Joanna and Jonathan didn't want to go home. They begged their dad. They were mesmerized by this market in Bethlehem. All the sights and the sounds and the smells of the market. See, the truth is, Joanna and Jonathan had never been to the market before. And so Shimon said, okay, just a few more minutes. And in just a few more minutes, Joanna and Jonathan found out why they had never been to the market before. See, in just a few more minutes, a Pharisee walked out. A Pharisee, a first century religious superstar in Judea full of pride and arrogance and pomp and circumstance. The people in the market, they all scurried to get out of his way. And he walked up right up to their little stall. And he looked at Shimon and Joanna and Jonathan, and with a sneer on his face, he began to shout. It was a shout that was sure to draw a, a crowd because that was his goal, right? And so a crowd gathered larger and larger until everybody at the market was gathered around this religious superstar, superstar as he spoke to Shimon, Joanna, and Jonathan. He said, people of Bethlehem, are you not ashamed? A shepherd in your town. A shepherd. Shepherds are inferior. Shepherds are untrustworthy. Shepherds are sneaky. People of Bethlehem, what is this town coming to? A shepherd, not only in your town, but right here in the market. It's sure that this man stole this milk. He illegally obtained this wool. People of Bethlehem, how could you allow a shepherd in your market? He went on and on and on with his words of hatred, his words of venom. And slowly, as he continued to shout, Joanna and Jonathan just made their way behind their father, and they hid from his words of anger and hatred. And it's one thing for a man like Shimon to be shamed, but it's a whole other thing to be ridiculed and humiliated in front of your kids. And maybe that's why he drew the courage to speak up. The Pharisee finally took a breath. The crowd was all poised. And Shimon said, but sir, wasn't it King David himself who said, the Lord is my shepherd? Silence, shepherd. The Pharisee slapped Shimon across the face. The crowd gasped. The sound reverberated around the market. Immediately, a welt began to rise on Shimon's face. Blood began to pool in the corner of his lip. And the Pharisee looked around at the crowd. He said, do you see what I mean? This is why. Are you not ashamed? He looked at Shimon and said, how dare you speak to me? How dare you contradict me. And in that moment, the crowd was so eager to please the Pharisee that they descended on this little stall. They trampled the remainder of the wool, they poured out the milk, and they took all the money, and they left. And so Shimon and Joanna and Jonathan 
stumbled out of Bethlehem, empty-handed, with the ridicule and the laughter and the threats of the people behind them. It was a one-hour walk to their little hut in the shepherd's settlement. No one spoke. Well, Joanna tried to speak once to cheer her dad up, but he couldn't respond. He was too humiliated and too upset. Jonathan tried to complain once about being tired, but he took one look at his dad and was like, not the time. And as they neared their hut, Mara could see them approaching, and she could tell by their posture that something was wrong. She hurried over to them and in, in, in a way that I think maybe is universal for kids who have just walked through trauma as soon as they saw their mom, they burst into tears. They ran to her. She looked up at Shimon. She said, what's wrong? She saw the welt on his face and the blood pooled in the corner of his mouth. He brushed by her and he walked into the hut. Mara said, kids, wait here. And she went in. For hours, no one spoke. See, it was three hours until Shimon had to go meet with the other shepherds. They had to keep watch over their flocks that night. No one spoke. Until finally, just moments before he had to leave, Shimon started speaking. And what those kids heard as their ears were pressed to the outside of the hut was hopeless words like they had never heard their dad speak before. What kind of man can't provide for his family? You would be better off without me. This is not a life worth living. He got to the door and Mara called out, Shimon, wait, wait. She said, you're my husband and I'm lucky to have you, I love you. Joanna and Jonathan are lucky to have you as their father, they love you. And here's what you need to know. We'll be here tomorrow morning and we'll be waiting and we'll be watching for you because we love you and you will come back to us. He didn't answer, he just walked. Joanna and Jonathan saw their dad walk away and just before he made his way to disappear behind the last hut, Joanna called out, Dad, Daddy, Dad. He stopped and he turned and even from that distance she could see the wealth on his face and the tears in his eyes, desperate to tear him up. She looked and she said, I love you. I, I, I love you, Dad. He opened his mouth to speak, but nothing came out. And so he gave her a little wave and he walked away. Experts say that a person can live for 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but less than a second without hope. You can't make it without hope. And if it's true for a person, it's true for a family too. And for this little family, 2,000 years ago, living about a one-hour walk outside of Bethlehem, hope was fading fast. But here's what's crazy. Something was about to change. As Shimon went out to meet with the other shepherds, to keep watch over their flocks by night, something happened. Something wonderful happened. Something that changed Shimon and changed Mara and changed Joanna and changed Jonathan. And here's what's incredible. That something that happened in the field that night changes you. And it changes me. In fact, if you wanted me to tell you why I think this is the most 
wonderful time of the year, especially when it's not, it would be this. Well, let me read it for you. And there were shepherds. I told you. I told you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What a story. What a story. You want to know why this is the most wonderful time of the year? Especially when it's not? That's why. It's so funny because almost every time an angel appears to people in the Bible, the first thing the angel says to them is what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Well, no kidding, right? Can, can you imagine those wingnut shepherds out in the field that night? They're just minding their own business, keeping watch over their flocks, and all of a sudden, bam, light show unlike anything that has ever happened in human history. And the angel looks at them and says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Man, that hit me. See, I wonder when was the last time someone told you that? Whether you've been going to church for 40 years or whether you're watching online today or you're in person today for the very first time, do not be afraid. See, we read in the Bible that God is like a heavenly father to us. And that, that, that's a really great concept if you look at a father in perfection, but here's the truth. There's so many of us, so many of you have grown up with a militaristic dad, maybe. A critical father. A, a, a father who abandoned your family and made you feel rejected. Maybe even an abusive father. And so I think there's a part of every single person that thinks, man, if I was ever to come face to face with God, if I was ever to meet my heavenly father, man, the only thing I can think is I would be very, very, very afraid. And I want to pass on a note from an angel who spoke 2,000 years ago to a bunch of wingnuts in a field. Listen to this. Do not be afraid. Not because it's some weird mind over matter thing, stiff upper lip. No, no, no. You don't have to be. See, I think for some of us, we believe that if we ever came face to face with God, what we would see is disdain. What we would see is disappointment. 
what we would see maybe is an eye roll. And so, of course, we're afraid that the God who created us, somehow, we just fell short, you know? Like maybe back, way back, before I did that one thing, uh, he would have loved me. Or, or, or maybe, maybe if I can just get my stuff together, then, then, then it'll be okay. But for right now, all I'm going to see if I meet God is disdain, disappointment, and an eye roll. And nothing could be further from the truth. Do not be afraid. You want to know why? You want to know why that light show was so blinding? That light is love. God's love is overpowering. God's love is bigger than your biggest perceived failure. If you met God face to face, you would not see disdain. You would not see disappointment. You would not see an eye roll. You know what you would see? Absolute, complete, unconditional love. Do not be afraid. Man, we live in such an anxious world. People are afraid of everything. And I'm not so sure that this isn't at the core of all of it. Do not be afraid. You're so loved. Your, your mind doesn't even have the ability to comprehend how unconditionally loved you are. Don't be afraid. Leah was talking earlier about peace. I really believe that the core of the peace that we're all looking for this season is, a, it, it is an ability to understand that when I come face to face with the God who made me, the God of the universe, I'll experience absolute, complete love. God's love is bigger than your anxiety. God's love is bigger than your fear. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. God's love is so great that it will give you peace. Do not be afraid. The angel goes on and says, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all people. Good news of great joy that'll be for all people. Good news of great joy. Have you ever thought about that, that word news? You know, news. We watch the news. And, and, and the whole idea of news started out with something new, something different. Something's happened. We're going to report on it. It's like something's changed, sometimes for the better, often on news networks today, for the worse. News, something's different. The angel said, I'll bring you good news of great joy, good news of great joy. Something's different. Something's different around here. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Something's changed. Something, something about the way of the world has changed upon the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God. It's the way of the world to me. The way of the world goes like this. Hey, you know who gets loved? Lovable people get loved. Lovable people get loved. Make sense? You know who gets good things? Good people get good things. Right? Good people get good things. You know what the world says? Important people get noticed. Important people get noticed. And the world says this, God will help those who help themselves. The angel says, yeah, we're going to change that up. Good news. Good news. We're going to change that. There's a whole different way of operating upon the arrival of Jesus Christ into human history. So let's talk about that. Lovable people get loved. Lovable people get loved. Part of me loves that because I feel so doggone lovable. There's a part of me, I think I'm pretty lovable, you know? I look inside of my life and I see a lot of beauty on the outside, 
inside. I said outside. That's awesome. You didn't even laugh uproariously, which I appreciate more than you could ever know. You're shaking your head. I'm sorry. But I look at my life. Maybe you can too. There's, there's, some, there's some beautiful stuff. I see some kindness in me. I see some light in me. But here's the problem. That's on a good day. Sometimes on a bad day when I really, really look carefully, I see some beauty, but I also see some ugly. I see some kindness, but I also see some cruelty. I see some light, but I also see some darkness. Well, what do I do now? What do I do now? What, like, lovable people get loved. And I thought it was, but now I realize, nah, not completely. Here's what's crazy. So God sends his son into human history, came as a baby in a manger in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. Who did God make the announcement to? A bunch of wingnuts in a field. A bunch of shepherds. I talked to you earlier about how shepherds were despised and ridiculed by the population. Yeah, part of that was classism, and it was ugly, and the people of Judea at that time were jerks, and part of it was well-earned. Shepherds were known for, uh, if it's not nailed down, they're going to take it. There was a reason why the shepherds lived one hour walk outside of the town, because they didn't trust them to be in the town, because they stole everything. And God made a point. God made a point. God made a point. God says, I'm going to announce it to you first. And this light show, unlike anything that has ever happened in human history. And the angel says, I'll bring you good news. Good news is a great joy. Hey, we're going to do things a little different around here. Up until now, it's lovable people that get loved. When Jesus showed up in human history, here's what it means. That God's love, God's love is so great that it makes you lovable. So let me help you with that. Are you wondering whether you're lovable or not? Here's the answer. You are incredibly lovable. You know what the world says? The world says good people get good stuff. That's called karma, right? Karma. Good people get good stuff. And there's a part of me that loves that. I'm a good people, you know, so I should get some good stuff. It's awesome. I'm going to get what I deserve. I'm going to get what I deserve. And then I start to ponder that. And I'm not 100% sure that's exactly what I want. I was in the gym, as you can tell. I was in the gym about, uh, at, the, at the beginning, no, you can't, a bunch of jerks. Okay, so, so at the beginning of this month, talking to this guy, he says, I gotta go, man, I gotta go. I'm like, to the bathroom? To, no, no, he's like, no, I gotta, I gotta get going. I, I have this New Year's resolution. Back at the beginning of 2021, I got this New Year's resolution, and I got one more month to make it happen. He said, and I was so like convinced that I was going to do it and that I had to give myself an incentive, I bet like a whole bunch of my buddies that I would make this New Year's resolution happen. I'm like, whoa, the stakes are high. This is exciting. One month left. Okay. I said, what's the resolution? He said, I had a New Year's resolution at the beginning of 2021 that I was going to lose 15 pounds. Okay. 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 I'm like, you got a month, 31 days in December, which is nice. Okay, 31 days to make this happen. So you, your goal was to lose 15 pounds. How are you doing? How much more do you have? He's like, I just got 27 more pounds to go, and I'm going to make <laughs> this happen. And that's the point. But that's the point. 
There's a, part of, there, there's, there's a part of me that can really, really relate to that guy. And there's things that I want to do, and sometimes I do them, and sometimes I don't. And, and there's a way that I want to be. There's a way that I want to speak. There's a kindness I want to exude. There's, there's a goodness that I want to, uh, to, to bring to every part of my life. And sometimes I do, but sometimes it's the beginning of December, and I'm like, I got 27 more goodness pounds to go. But the angel said, now we're going to do it a little different. We're going to do things a little bit different. Since not any single person in here today or watching online today is completely and totally good, we thought we'd send Jesus, who is completely and totally good. And what he represents is God's love being so great that it makes you good. Are you good? You are good. You are good. Listen to me, 40-year church veteran, first-time attender, you're good. Just breathe. It's okay. You're good. I gotta go. I gotta go. I got a month left. No, no, you're good. You're good. God's at work. God's at work. The world says, hey, important people get noticed. Am I right? Important people get noticed. Yeah, I know. It kind of makes sense. But, but look at this story. Where did Jesus show up? A little backwoods town called Bethlehem. And not in the finest establishment in Bethlehem either. Where? In a stable in a manger. In this backwood town called, backwoods town called Bethlehem. And you think to yourself, okay, but like, why didn't God send his son to be born in Rome? Kind of the cultural center of the world at that time. You know, and, 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 and why, why when the announcement was made, make it to just a bunch of shepherds and some sheep in a field? I mean, sheep. Sheep never get excited, right? This major light show. You know what the sheep said? It's not bad, right? Like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I, I told that joke first service. I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then I did it again. Oh yeah, but, but God does this light show for a little baby born in a backwoods town called Bethlehem. I was thinking like all the spectacular things God could have done, right? Like he, he, could, he could have announced it in Rome, boom, across the, the biggest city in the world at that time. Or how about this, because God could do this. What about like the announcement happens all around the world at the same time? Like every sky all over the world is lit up. Do not, do not, do not be afraid, afraid, afraid. I bring you good, right? Like amazing. But God didn't do that. And I think for me, the message is this. Maybe you feel unnoticed. Can I talk to you about that? God notices you. I would go as far as to suggest this, that if you're sitting here today or if you're watching online today, he loves you so much that he wanted you to hear this. God notices you. He sent his son into the world for you. Maybe you're here and you feel forgotten. God's never forgotten you. You feel like nobody sees you. Can I talk to you? God sees you right now. 
And he loves you right now. And he's for you right now. I was thinking about that phrase, lost cause, lost cause, lost cause. Maybe you feel like that. You feel like I'm a lost cause. Can I suggest you're neither? You're neither lost or a cause. Your father knows right where you are. He's with you. He loves you right now. Oh, and a cause? You're not a cause. You're his child. One more month to go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. No, you don't. No, you don't. His love is so great it brings you peace. His love is so great it makes you lovable. His love is so great it makes you good. His his love is so great it makes you worthy. And finally, the world, the way of the world is this. Uh, God helps those who help themselves. A few years ago, they took a poll in the United States and asked Americans, what's your favorite, favorite Bible verse? And they said, God helps those who help, some, help themselves, which is awesome, except it's not in the Bible and it's not biblical. <laughs> but it's the way of the world, isn't it? God helps those who help themselves. There's a part of us that likes that, right? Especially the go-getters, the A-type personalities. Yeah, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. God will cheer me on. God will admire my hard work. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Your hard work's great. But it doesn't work that way. The angel says, I'm going to bring you good news. We can do something a little bit different. When I was a, a teenager and a young adult, I walked around like a tough guy. A tough guy, you know? I would walk around places like this, like, like this, and then I'd just dare you to bump shoulders with me. Like, I just dare you. <laughs> like, weirdo. Okay, so if you would have seen me, you would have gone, that guy's a tough guy. No, 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 you wouldn't have. If you would have seen me, you would have said, that guy's really convinced that he's a tough guy. That's more accurate. Okay? And here's what's funny about that. God helps those who help themselves. God helps In the time of my life, when you would have looked at me and, and thought I was the most convinced I was a tough guy, was the time of my life when I felt more helpless. It, it was a, the time of my life when I felt, oh, I can't help myself. <laughs> See, what I wish is for Ms. Most Likely to Succeed, Mr. Highest GPA, you, you with the corner office, the Olympic gold medal, the national championship, you with the social media fame. I'd love to sit down across from you one-on-one. And the first thing I would say is this. The first thing I would say is this. That is so cool. That is so cool. That provincial championship, that's so cool. That gold medal, can I see it? That's amazing. That corner office, whoa, that's awesome. And after we talked about that, because I do, I think that's all so cool, right? After we talked about that, I would look at you and I would say, it's weird though, isn't it? And you'd go, you're weird, Mike, what do you mean it's weird? And I would say something like this. No matter how much stuff you get out here, it doesn't seem to change what's in here. Weird, right? You get the great car. Man, I'm stoked you have a great car. Great house, great job, the gold medal. 
whatever it is. That's all great, and it's out here, but something inside of you, you know what? It doesn't change what's broken in here, and you still feel helpless. In fact, I would suggest that in my life, what I've found is this. I've found that the more I get out here, if I'm not thinking clearly, the worse I feel inside of here because I think to myself, well, come on, man. Like, surely at this point, it's got to be enough. The angel says, hey, good news. We do a little different. We do a little different. Here's how it's going to work. God's love is so great through his son Jesus that his love will make you strong. Not out here. In here. You, you, you'll have a courage and a strength and a power and a love that starts on the inside. You know what experts say? Experts say that a person could live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but less than a second without hope. You can't make it with hope. And that's the point. And that's the point. And that's the point. That's why this is the most wonderful time of the year, especially when it's not, because his love is so great it gives us hope. Hope. That's it. Why don't you cl- close your eyes and bow your heads just as we take a moment of reflection. See, I don't know who you are or where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you, but I do know a few things about you. You are so incredibly loved. See, I think God called you to this stream today. God brought you to this church today because he wanted to meet with you. And more than anything else, he wants you to know that he loves you. Fully and completely, he loves you. Or maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, there's like parts of me that are lovable, but there's parts of me that are wrong. No, his love makes you lovable. You say, well, I don't know if I'm good. His love makes you good. You say, I'm not so sure that anyone notices me. Oh, God notices you, and he loves you. You're not a lost cause. He hasn't lost you, and you're not a cause. He is your, you are his child. And finally, if you're here today and you're wondering, man, why can't all this outside stuff fix what's broken, what's going on inside of me? Oh, that's easy. Jesus came to do that. That's hope. That's hope. And so what I want to do with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. If today is the day you want to say, Jesus, yes, I want to receive your hope. A hope that goes deeper than circumstances. That makes it the most wonderful time of the year, especially when it's not. If this is your day, if this is your moment with heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you right now. Nice and high if you don't mind. Amazing. And if you're watching online and you're comfortable or if it's safe to do so, I'd love it if you could raise your hand also. It's amazing. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray out loud. I just ask you to pray silently along with me if you raised your hand. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on the cross and rising again for me. Today I give you my past. Give me my failures and my shame and my regret. And I take in exchange 
a fresh start, a new beginning. Thank you. And thank you that you rose again, Jesus. I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you into a life worth living, to be the person you created me to be, a person of hope, a person of wonder, today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that for a second? If you just raised your hand, in person or online, I would love it if you could just take a moment and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. For all the rest of us, I'm asking myself, I want to ask you the same thing. Whether you're online or in person for these Christmas services, who are you going to bring? Who are you going to invite? Because I know one thing for sure, for sure, for sure, that the people who come this Christmas whether they've been to church all their lives or whether this is the first time, I'm sure of this. They'll walk out looking at Christmas differently than they ever have before. I can not wait. I love you guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.